I'm ready to make my credits count. I'm ready to take classes from a university that will help me build on my experience to prepare me for the future. A university that will make me feel supported, encouraged, and connected. Click this ad or go to online.odu.edu today. and welcome back to the Sacktown Royalty Show. I am your host, Tony Zipteris, and joining me on the podcast this week from Sacktown Royalty, Bryant West. Bryant, how's it going? I'm doing great, Tony. This has uh, probably been the funnest season since... Boy, I think this has probably been the best start to a season since um, maybe the Malone got fired year. Or, I mean, if you want to take it further than that, it might be the best... Uh, starts in the season since the rebuild started like 12 years ago. So um, it's kind of sad in its own way, but this is one of the more fun times to be a Kings fan. So I'm doing great. Yeah, that's interesting. I think it's um, it's definitely the best since the, like you said, that Malone, that start right before the Malone was fired, before uh, Boogie got viral meningitis and everything kind of went downhill from there. But I would say this is even better than than that hot start. I don't know if maybe it's just recency bias, but it feels like this is a little bit more, I don't know if sustainable is the right word. It feels less like fool's gold than maybe that did. And that yeah. might be selling what that Malone boogie team did a little short. Cause I don't know how much of that was actually fool's gold. That team could have been pretty decent if boogie never got injured, but I still feel like there was something with boogie down the line that was going to go bad for Sacramento. Like, even during those good days. And knowing what we know now, it's probably easier to say that because we saw the kind of disaster mm-hmm. that Vivek and uh, D'Alessandro and that whole crew was at the beginning. Where now, Knowing what we know now, it was clear that that was going to go downhill at some point, considering how quickly they were to fire Malone. So this could just be me and my recency bias. But uh, like you said, this has been a fantastic start to the year. You got positive articles from The Ringer and Deadspin and ESPN and Zach Lowe and everyone's talking about the Kings in a positive way that... We haven't seen, um, at least since that Malone boogie start, but probably even before that. Yeah, and you know, one thing I don't think is just a recency bias. This team is fun. Yeah. And I think this team is more fun to watch, especially, well, I mean, only on offense. They're only fun to watch on offense Um, more than the past teams because this rebuild has cohesiveness behind it. They have, uh, there's a form and function to what they're doing and the style that, they're playing that just happens to be the exact style that this young energetic team needs is just so fun to watch. There's nothing more fun than seeing Darren Fox get the ball, uh, you know, off the rebound and just blast up the court, weave through guys. There is nothing more fun in the last 12 years than seeing what Darren Fox can do in the open court. And this team is finally utilizing their offense around that. So it's a joy to watch right now. When we last recorded the podcast, the Kings were 2-3, and three, but despite the losing record, I was pretty happy with how the team was playing, and that was kind of the narrative around the team anyways. Like, yeah, we know they're 2-3, and three, but look at the pace. Look at, like, how well the young guys are playing. This is, they're, they're doing something right. And since our last show, the Kings have gone 5-1. and one. 
including uh, the impressive five-game winning streak before losing to a very good Bucks team in Milwaukee at the end of a tough East Coast road trip. So here we are November 5th, and the Kings are 6-4. and four. We saw the good with the five-game winning streak. We saw the bad with the blowout against the Bucks. So with all the ups and downs, mostly ups, what are your general thoughts on how the team has played so far through 10 games? Which is a, that's a pretty good sample size of games. That's not a, that's not a nothing set of, yeah. of data. Yeah, for sure. It's still hilarious to me when I hear that record. Six and four is just absolutely incredible. It's this awesome. season has been a massive success. <laughs> it's incredible. Uh, like I said, they're finally showcasing a real game plan, and it's working. I don't think it'll amount to more than 38 or so wins, mainly because the de- defensive cohesiveness isn't anywhere close to the success they're showing on offense. But as long as this team keeps competing competing on a night-in, night-out basis, this is just a complete 80, 180 from what I think anybody predicted three weeks ago. I, I cannot understand how you wouldn't consider this just a massive success. The Kings fan in my brain feels like there has to be another shooter <laughs> drop at some true. point. Like it's just like I can't I can't yeah. buy in all the way. What what would make me buy in and the thing that leaves me most optimistic that this run is something that is sustainable is that you're hearing game after game after game head coaches and star players of opposing teams giving props to the Kings for how they're playing, their focus, their energy, the 48 minutes of pushing and running. Even uh Giannis Antetokounmpo, after the game, when the Bucks blew out the Kings, he talked about how much they were prepared for this team coming in because of how they've played so far and, and how hard they're running. And like they had to really focus and game plan and consider how they were going to defeat this. At that point, it was a 6-3 and three Sacramento Kings team, which for a decade plus now, there's no way opposing teams haven't looked at the Kings as like, one of the easier wins on their schedule. They just, it's the oh, Kings yeah, have been an sure. easy win. They've been an easy win. And now you're seeing, you know, Dwayne Wade, the Miami Heat. I can't even remember all the other teams, but it feels like after every game, there's a head coach or a star player saying like, man, these guys are tough. They're playing tough. We got to prepare for these teams. And even Giannis, like I said, in a game where the Bucks beat the Kings by like 20 plus points, it was blowout. It was never really close. And Milwaukee's a great, like that's an awesome looking team. That was the first time I watched them for 40 yeah. minutes. That's a fantastic basketball team. Um, and even having someone like that say, like, yeah, we beat this team, but we had to work for it. Like, we did not take this team lightly. We knew what they were all about going in, which is speaks to what you were talking about, how the team has an identity now. And teams are noticing, and that that makes me feel a little bit less, you know, pessimistic Kings fan about the start, that the NBA is on watch for this team, and if they're taking the Kings seriously, maybe we should take them seriously too. Yeah, for sure. It's great to hear I think it was on Zach Lowe's podcast where um, he was talking about how everybody in the West Conference um, feels if if they lose to Phoenix or Sacramento, it's like a serious, like you cannot lose to those two teams. And he said that like three weeks ago. And now the team, now the Kings are six and four and and everybody's complimenting them and, and remarking on how cohesive this team is finally playing so that's a, a complete turnaround in terms of how the nba approaches sacramento i think one of the main things from this team is they're they're going a long way to proving who they are and, and whether that's a, you know a, a, a solid team or a good team is still up to the rest of the season but i think the kings have uh, gone a long way to proving that they will beat the teams that they should beat 
And I don't think that's a thing that you could say about this team for the last 12 years or so. I mean, they beat Orlando and Atlanta pretty handily. And, and they're beating teams that I don't think they're necessarily better than, like Miami or OKC. Um, so when you look at it that way, the, the, the big losses that they have, you know, the blowout in Milwaukee, New Orleans, and Denver, I mean, the Kings are better, and they're becoming a cohesive offensive team. But they're still not good enough on defense to handle the teams I think really have their shit together. Mm-hmm. So even the losses I'm not depressed about because – they're competing on a night in night out basis. And these aren't the teams that even a, you know, a rebuilding team should necessarily be able to win. Mainly. I think taking, you need to just take this season one game at a time and enjoy each game for what it was and try not to get caught up in the record. For me, that involves ignoring anybody, especially our uh, buddy, Tim Maxwell. He starts talking about playoffs, there's seedings in the Western Conference. Just stop looking at the standings. These Kings are better than anybody had the right to hope for. And they're still almost certainly going to cap out in the mid to late 30s for wins. And worrying about standings is just going to take away from what this team is right now. Uh, a rebuild that's finally got the engine put together. So enjoy that for what it is. This is a good team that's still figuring out how to be really good. I'm not expecting the Kings to make the playoffs, obviously, but I am, I'm not going to lie and pretend I'm not a little bit with Tim on this, where I am every night, I'm checking the standings, I'm seeing what teams above the Kings no. are losing. Like, I, you, we haven't had a chance to, I understand what you're saying, but we haven't had a chance to pay yeah. attention to a playoff race in like 12 years. So even even if it's only 10 games, it's November 5th. Like, the season barely started, but I'm yeah. still going to schedule watch while I can. I'll do it quietly, maybe I won't tweet about it, maybe I won't like, talk about it on the podcast that much about the playoffs, but I'm paying attention. I, I promise I'm paying attention to what the teams above and below the Kings are doing with their record, even still through 10 games. Cause I, I don't know. I feel like Kings fans kind of deserve to dream a little bit, but I, I totally understand what you're saying. It is a take it slow thing. Yeah. And like a, a 30 to 35 win season for this team would be fantastic. So if they don't make the playoffs, I'm not going to yeah. be disappointed. I just think it's, it, it would not be healthy for me to start thinking it's about that stuff when I know by, by, by game 40 or so, they'll probably be like, yeah, we're hanging around. Like if the Kings are 40 games into the season in like the ninth seed, that's going to be fantastic in itself. I'm not going to worry about anything beyond that. Well, if, if they get um, to 20 and 20, like they only need to win oh, goodness. 14 more games. Like they already have six of them in the bag. So 500 after 40 games is yeah. fantastic. I mean, I, again, this is all just like for sillies, but still, I'm still I'm I'm paying attention to the standings to answer that. I yeah. definitely am. Well, preseason, I I was pretty optimistic, I think, compared to what everybody else was talking about on Twitter and on on Sacktown Royalty. I predicted record of like 32 and 50, and just doing that felt crazy to me. And now I'm expecting you know 36, 38 wins and a ton more competitive games than I was expecting. I mean, I'm not going to ask for much more than that yeah. on a rebuild season that we were ready to declare, you know, going to be hard to watch three weeks ago. But before the season started, we were like, all right, we'll get through 82 games, then Vladi and Jaeger will be out, and then we'll see what we can do in free agency with all this cap space. We don't have a draft pick. We'll probably give, you know, a number one or two or three pick up. But, like, the the way a story can change after 10 games I mean, now it's like Jaeger is incredible. getting, Jaeger's getting, uh, I was watching a, um, 
the game on ESPN, I forget who it was between, but it was a game the Kings had no, like, there was no reason to talk about the Kings, and for, like, a minute and a half, Jeff Van Gundy went on this, like, tangent about how great a job Dave Yeager's doing. Now, Jeff Van Gundy is known for, like, sticking up for head coaches. He loves head coaches. Anytime a head coach gets fired, he loses his mind. That's He's just part of that fraternity, whatever. Um, but, yeah, like, just the way, the way the narrative can change so quickly is amazing. Even for a guy like Dave Yeager, who so many... Uh, myself included, but I did probably defend Jaeger more than most. We're disappointed with how he mm-hmm. had been using his young players for two years. Issues with the scheme, and, and there still are some issues with the scheme. Like, I've talked about it a million times, and so has everybody else. This team probably needs to shoot more three-pointers, but through ten games, the pace is up. He's playing the right players. I, mm-hmm. Last year, one of my big complaints was that no player on the roster was playing over 30 minutes a game. And it's a weird complaint because you know, minutes per game can shift as the season goes. Guys get injured, guys get in foul trouble, whatever. But for a young team, they had nobody who was playing, like, those heavy, heavy, heavy minutes. And now you've got Buddy Heald and, and Bogey. I mean, sorry, Buddy Heald and Fox over 30. you got Willie right at 29. So he's playing the, the best guys, the most minutes. And it seems like they're really going for, I won't say the playoffs, but they're trying to win every single game. Jaeger is taking a huge step forward. Like, it was so easy at the end of last year when Jaeger was talking about next season, we're going to take the training wheels off. The team's going to be play fast. It was way too easy just to be like, okay, coach, that's coach speak. We'll totally. see how it actually gets when they're on the court. Yep. And now that they're on the court, I mean, you, you cannot give enough credit to Dave Jaeger. This team is running at an insane speed and they're doing so with actual efficiency. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you're right about the three point percent of the uh, three-point attempts that needs to go up i'm hopeful that that's going to go up when they get bogey back um but i mean the only major complaint i have right now about this team is when he full substitutes in the bench lineup for the starters for like six minutes in the second quarter and part of the way through the uh, third quarter and and that bench unit just has when Marvin Bagley is your go-to scorer in a lineup, that tells you that you need to reassess that lineup. Yeah. And when and when Bogey's back, I hope that one of Fox, Buddy, or Bogey is on the court at all times because the Kings just need to have a go-to scorer in that bench lineup, and that bench lineup's just not doing it right now. Um, but yeah, this, Dave Yeager deserves all the credit in the world he is backing up everything he has said about this rebuild for the last two years. And, I mean, that in itself is a is fantastic to see. Bring up a good point about those comments this offseason where, you know, even myself as someone who has defended Jaeger maybe more than he deserves at certain points throughout his tenure, when he says, like, yeah, we're going to, you know, like all just every he says everything you want to hear and it's so easy to roll your eyes because they just haven't done it. But, uh, and, and then the, the, uh, the conversation turned into, you know, are the players just not capable of playing fast or are they not listening to Dave Yeager? And this, this turnaround shows you that not only are the players capable of playing this style, but they're also very much engaged and listening to their head coach, which is not something that you can say about every team around the league. There uh-huh. are plenty of pl- teams that tune out their head coaches. Really easy to do after two years of losing, but the fact that Yeager has been yep. able to convince these guys to commit and they have committed like that. Maybe the most impressive thing is how much they've committed to this yeah. style change. You're seeing 
Yep. Just the way they are running teams off the court nonstop. And you can, despite how fast they're playing, you can still hear Dave Yeager off the bench saying, push, push, run, run. Like he's still in commanding that kind of pace, and they are listening to him. Mm-hmm. And if, when you get a team that, that will listen yeah. to its head coach, that's a great sign. That That's a sign that all the thing, all the good reports we heard about chemistry in the locker room and how close the group is, that supports that those reports were legit when you see the team listening to their head coach like that. I think what makes this season a win is if that competitiveness and that um, belief in the system and that trust in Jaeger that, that he is uh, instilled in these players, if, as long as that is here come April, I don't really care what the standing is. That's a really that, good That was all we really wanted. Yeah. Just keep up this pace. Just continue building this team at this direction and – you can't ask for anything more from a team that's playing all their young guys. Not to get too negative here, but if this doesn't keep up, like you said, the record isn't the most important thing. But if this team mm-hmm. starts to regress a little bit with the record and with how they play, who's playing too good for you right now to really believe? I, I think the obvious regression will come in the form of a shooting decrease from Delitza. Yeah. Um, and maybe a bit from Buddy. Uh, the offense will stall a little bit once uh, Belly stops shooting 50% from three. <laughs> I mean, just so many of those games would have uh, been majorly different if, if he's not just hitting all of the open threes. Um, but Bogey coming back and getting settled in will help stabilize that because Bogey coming back means everything. Uh, it means that the Kings' best lineup which I still think would be Fox, Buddy, Bogey, Belly, and then one of either Willie Cauley-Stein or Bagley. I mean, that lineup's going to have three shooters instead of pretending that Justin Jackson is a shooter or coping that uh, Shumpert has a a good shooting game. Bogey coming back means everything. It means more spacing for Fox. It means uh, another smart player in crunch time. It means more playmaking. It, It means absolutely everything. Um, and I think the only thing I'm really worried about in terms of how is this team going to continue at this pace is, is Bogey ready to play at this level of speed? And if he's really not, I mean, those first couple of games, if he is still a step slower than the rest of his teammates, that's fine because he's such a distant shooter. And if Fox draws the defenders you know, away from the trailing Bogey, that's still going to work. Um, but I mean, it's a little concerning just how Bogey is going to come back for those first five, six games. So he's in the game shape, but I'm not truly worried about an obvious regression in terms of this offense, because the only outlier efficiencies have been from, or what I consider outlier efficiency have come from, uh, belly and buddy. And I think that, the team overall is going to get a massive bump from bogey. So as long as they keep up the intensity, I don't think this team is going to have a big regression on offense. It might not matter if their defense can't start locking guys down, but I'm not truly worried about the offense at this point. Ask me in 10 games, I might be feeling different. You feel uh, you feel that good about Willie Cauley-Stein being able to keep up what he's done through for, through those first 10 games? Oh, yeah, for sure. You and Tim keep saying this, and I agree with it. Willie has 
Willie is going to stay at this efficiency because Willie has accepted the role he always was supposed to accept. Like, he's not taking outlier shots. He's not making a crazy, insane amount of jump shots or something. He is making full right offensive plays, rolling to the basket, uh, dominating pick and roll, uh, getting himself good space in the post. I mean, in fact, I think Bogey coming back is going to help Willie, especially in those uh, three shooter lineups with Buddy and Belly, because that's going to give Willie more space inside. I would agree with Bogey helping Willie. They started to develop some nice chemistry last season. I am concerned about Willie Cauley-Stein regressing a bit here. Like we saw in the, uh, I don't want to put too much stock into one game, but that Milwaukee Bucks game, Willie Cauley-Stein did not look good. And it also highlighted how the Kings can get really pounded in the paint if they're not like, if if Willie's not on his game. And Willie had the tough uh, job of trying to guard Giannis for a while. And it was pretty clear that he, couldn't do that just like, you know, nobody can do it. It doesn't help that the Kings don't have any natural big wings to put on Giannis. Sure. Um, so that was kind of, that put Willie in a tough spot. But I, I can't uh, totally fall for Carly Stein yet. I'm hopeful, but, you know, I'm still kind of up in the air. I definitely agree with you on, on Bielitsa being a regression candidate. Uh, Synergy tweeted out this morning, I don't know if you saw it, but yep. Bielitsa is like top 10 in offensive efficiency right now in the entire league. I liked the belly signing. I think he's gonna. I think he's been fantastic. I think he's gonna continue to be good, but I don't know if he's gonna continue to be like top ten offensive efficiency good. Um, that seems like an obvious spot where you'll see some see some regression. I think my only worry about Willie efficiency efficiency is on defense. Um, I don't think. I think the player that Willie is right now on offense is who Willie's gonna be for the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're right about defense. This whole team is still really much and putting all of their energy into playing offense and figuring out how to play at that speed at that efficiency and defense is very much secondary right now yeah it's optional. that's for everybody not just willie yeah definitely the the good sign is a lot of those other guys like i don't know how much buddy heel is going to regress i i understand your points but i i believe in buddy and i believe in De'Aaron fox and those are the guys that are really pushing the offense so that is another little check mark in like the why I'm optimistic this can continue box is that the guys who are sort of leading the charge for this team in De'Aaron Fox and Buddy Hill are two guys that I believed in before the season and all they're doing right now is proving it. And I always believed that yep. they could prove it. So I'm, I'm not too worried about those guys, but Carly Stein and Bielitsa who have both had really hot starts. Uh, I, I do worry that they will come back down to earth at some point and what that might look like. But the good news for some of that, and this kind of ties into, you know, guys will go up and down as the, season, as the season progresses. But one of the real bright spots for the Kings this season has been the play of Duke rookie and second overall pick Marvin Bagley. You know Bagley as well as anyone on the staff. You've watched him play at the, at the college level a lot more than I have. Is he doing what you thought he would be doing through his first 10 games of his NBA career? <laughs> or are you as surprised as I am to see how productive he's been for a Kings bench that desperately needs his production? Uh, I, I'm very much surprised. Um, he, I wrote a big long article preseason about Kings. Please don't try to force uh, Bagley into these uh, uh, isolated elbow sets where he tries to do the Zach Randolph offense from last year. And he's been doing exactly that, and he's been really good at it. But he's been doing it, right? He's and been producing. He's been doing it. He looks fantastic. I mean, it's it's not really outside of what he did at Duke. 
um, I think that I was just expecting more of a regression from what he was doing at Duke to the NBA because he struggled so much with NBA size and athleticism in summer league. And he's just made the, the uh, get comfortable in his own skin jump far earlier than I thought he was going to. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he just looks so competent and confident out there. And, you know, I was complaining earlier, you know, when Marvin Bagley is your go-to scorer, that lineup needs to be adjusted. But, I mean, God, he he is the most fun king in that second lineup for sure. And he's, I mean, whether he's uh, dribbling up the whole court with the ball in a, in a rebound and go situation, or, I mean, that Euro step the other night was fantastic. Um, and there's the best part about it is that you still know there is a lot of development to do. He's hitting open three pointers. Uh, he's going to eventually hopefully make that a bigger part of his game. And I mean, he's still scoring at this efficiency pretty much with one hand. Mm-hmm. I mean, I wrote a whole article the other night about his one right-handed hook shot, and you know it's going to take a year and a half until he's maybe even longer than that until he's got equilibrium between his uh, his right and left hand. But I mean, the fact that he has been this efficient this early, given how well known his weakness is, I mean that that being so left-handed dominant, everybody knows that everybody's trying to go at it, and he's still scoring on them. And it, you just couldn't have asked for a better start to the season for Marvin Bagley. And I didn't even talk about the incredible jump he's made on the defensive end. He doesn't look as lost as he did at Duke, and he's playing the NBA. Mm-hmm. It's just absolutely incredible. I was, um, you know, I always thought that Bagley was going to be a good player. I didn't think that he was worth drafting at number two, given other guys who were on the board, but he has far exceeded my expectations and I thought myself uh, uh, pretty high on him preseason. I probably let what he didn't do in preseason and summer league have too big of an impact on my expectations for him. Like maybe this is my fault for being so surprised because I put maybe too much stock in how much he struggled during, during summer league and preseason. But yeah, it's been, I mean, it's been fantastic. The three point shot when he's set looks very competent when he's on the move or, or off the dribble, it does not look Great. I mean, I think he, he made a couple uh, either in Milwaukee or another night on the road trip. And I, think he, it was, he, I think it was Toronto. Toronto. And then he airballed a couple of them, too, and it's like, boy. And that's the thing with Bagley. It's like sometimes his moves are kind of unorthodox, and they almost look by accident. Like, he'll make a, a like a crazy hook shot, and I'll be like, he didn't. Was he trying to do that? But it went in, so I'm not going to complain a whole lot. So I think there's still, yeah. to your point, like there's a lot that he can polish up about his game. But you're seeing the energy. You're seeing his attack on the glass. Dave Yeager called it out a few times now about how he plays, you know, even against Milwaukee, just how he plays hard through what is ultimately garbage time, and he keeps going and he keeps pushing. And that's going to, you know, if he's this productive with how maybe unpolished his game still looks aesthetically, at least on offense, there is certainly a a lot of uh, room for improvement and potential. And he's already showing so much, which is just a great sign for the Kings who absolutely needed to hit on this pick. We don't know if they nailed it completely yet. It's only been 10 games, but it's certainly looking uh, looking good so far. Yeah, 10 games is plenty for me to see that Bagley is going to be who he showed us in college he could be. 
And at the very least, that is an incredible high energy guy who uh, has, you know, solid range in the post, uh, ability to go out a little bit, and is going to clean up the offensive glass. And that's what this team kind of needs. It's missing a, uh, very much missing a rim protector, but Bagley is going to help this team because he just works as hard as any big guy in the league. It, it helps that he can jump out of the freaking building. Yeah, that, that is obviously uh, an exciting sight. We're going to close out the podcast in a few minutes, but I did want to ask you uh, shortly, are you worried at all about Harry Giles, who has not been great to start the year? Um, a little bit, only because I think his struggles go beyond just... I mean, there's a certain expectation, like, guy hasn't played in a year and a half. He's not going to be in great game shape. He's going to be... You know, how he was in preseason, he was rushing things. He was so eager to make the play that he would just not make the play. He was too... He was on too much of a fast forward button. And and that in itself is understandable. This guy hasn't played in two years. And it's going to take him a while to get his NBA legs under him for that. But some of his struggles have gone beyond that. Um, I'm a little worried about how he's going to become this uh, above average defender that we all hoped he could be when he's just so much below uh, other bigs strength-wise mm-hmm. and getting... Uh, destroyed for it more than I think Marvin Bagley has been considering they're about the same size. It's a little more worrying for Giles. He, his struggles go beyond just being in game shape. So it's a, I am a little worried, but you gotta be patient with this guy. I I think the real assessment is going to come like, how is he looking come February? And then how is he looking come April? I'm a little worried now, but I'm not going to really fret about it until uh, midway through the season. Yeah, it's something people are talking about, so I wanted to to bring it up on the podcast. But I do agree with you. We just haven't seen a whole lot of him at all. Like, he was in the rotation when Kufos was injured. Now he's basically out of the rotation, which if the Kings were losing, I would have a bigger issue with. I would be saying, hey, we're losing anyways. Play the kids. But while the Kings are playing like this, I, I can understand going for these wins and Costa Kupas is a better player than Harry Giles right now, especially if you're playing Harry Giles at center when he's going up against these guys, like you were saying, who, who are overpowering him inside right now. So not too worried about Harry Giles. I'm sure we'll see him at some point this season with some extended playing time. We haven't seen it yet, so it's hard to judge, but of course he hasn't looked great for the limited minutes he's, he's played. That's going to do it for the, for the podcast this week. We do have some good news coming up, though, November 7th. Bogdan Bogdanovich is targeting his return against the Toronto Raptors. What can that guy do for this team? I, I love Bogdan Bogdanovich as a basketball player. He was my, he's the guy I would have said was the best king on the team last year. Um, as far as like a, a game, he has my favorite game of any king in, I don't know, maybe since like, I don't even know what king's game I liked as much. Maybe like Pedro Stojakovic or something. I love watching Bogdanovich play and I just love the style and the uh, offensive skill that he has. How much can he fix the Kings' problems when he comes back on November 7th, if he, assuming he at some point reaches what he was last year? Well, like I said, I think he's, he, he's going to be fantastic because he's going to make the Kings' best lineup even better. Uh, and, and that's just surrounding Fox and 
whichever one of the bigs you want to start with as many shooters as possible. And I'm, that's not the answer on defense. And to be honest, nothing that the Kings can do with their lineups right now is going to solve their issues on defense. But yeah, Bogey's just going to, Bogey's just going to open up so much more for De'Aaron Fox and Buddy and, and even Belly. It's going to give everybody more open shots. I mean, just imagine the Kings lineup right now with Justin Jackson actually being able to knock down open three-pointers. How much more would the Kings in transition and in the half court be able to space the floor if you swapped in either JJ or Shump with Bogey? I mean, you're going to be looking at a totally different court when Bogey comes back. He's going to work that gravity so much more. And this is why my biggest reason for believing that this offense can continue because they're still need to put their best player from last year into here. Mm-hmm. I think he's going to fix a lot of the uh, offensive efficiency slumps that we will probably see in this nasty early to mid November stretch. Right. So Bo- Bogey is going to, it's going to take him a couple games. He's probably not going to be in game shape, but once he gets fit into this roster. I mean, I think this team will still be a top 10 offense by the end of the year. And I could not have said that 10 days, 10 games ago. I can't wait to see it. I can't wait to see Bogey back out there. Said if he's taking the minutes from Shumpert and Jackson, like we expect, then you're, you know, you're adding another proven 40% three point shooter to the lineup where those guys, Shumpert has shot well. I don't expect that to continue. But Jackson's at like 20% right now or something from three. If you replace that with a 40% three-point shooter, it's hard to even predict how much that could change because it could change quite a bit in, in favor of the Kings. All right, Brian, why don't you tell everybody what you're up to for coverage this year with Sacktown Royalty and where they can find you on the internet. Well, all my work on Sacktown Royalty. Uh, I think the next piece I'm going to do tomorrow is uh, another review a random game. Uh, and... Right now, I have a poll up on Twitter. Everybody wants me to review uh, Boston and Denver, so I guess I'm going to get to watch some really uh, fun basketball tonight. I'll be watching that game as well. All right, Brian, thanks for jumping on the yeah. podcast with me today. Anytime, Tony. All right, see you. I stopped an old man along the way Hoping to find some old forgotten words Or ancient melodies He turned to me as if to say Hurry, boy, it's waiting there for you. Ready to take the next step. I'm ready for a university that will help me advance in my education and career. A university that will make me feel supported and connected. I'm ready for ODU Online. Click this ad or go to online.odu.edu today. I'm ready to take the next step. I'm ready for a university that will help me advance in my education and career. A university that will make me feel supported and connected. I'm ready for ODU Online. Click this ad or go to online.odu.edu today.